you know, these lessons that you have on your hand, lesson six is a uh, one of the 48 lessons that I have prepared. And um, uh, I have uh, this burden for the sisters for the longest time because, as you know, uh, we've been conducting this brothers training, or we call them elders lessons, um, uh, since five years ago. And um, even though we had some sisters conferences here and there, I mean in, in Northern California, uh, we never have any sort of perfecting or training like uh, meetings. And so um, I, in the meantime, uh, put together these 48 lessons. And uh, right now, I'm not at liberty to just release all of them. I mean, the printed material, which includes for each lesson an outline and also some ministry excerpts. Uh, because once I get this out, it will go everywhere in the universe, and, and that may uh, cause some trouble. So... Um, I'm just um, doling them out one at a time. The um, uh, churches in Canada, uh, which I also have been um, helping to care for, um, they also went through two years of these brothers' training um, following the Bay Area. Uh, They finished with that. Then after we finished... Um, I asked the brothers, I said, brothers, now what? What next? Uh, Out of a number of mouths, there's this um, unanimous response, sisters. Meaning that we have paid so much attention to the brothers, but not the sisters. When the sisters actually, there's a lot of echo here, when, when actually the sisters in a practical way, uh, are more important than the brothers in the building up of the of a local church. So because of that, and I have happened to have these 48 lessons, so I said, how about I will only do this for the churches in Canada, starting with lesson one and just go all the way to lesson 48. So I did that. I did the first two lessons and the second two lessons. The first one was done in Richmond, uh, which is close to Vancouver, in British Columbia, uh, in January of this year. Then I went to Toronto and I did the second two. Um, and they recorded it and then. Um, And, um, um, and so they've been very slow, very slow, only when I have an opportunity. So what, I, what they do there is, in Canada, is whenever I spoke live, just like today, it got streamed uh, in real time across the whole country. Only the sisters. There's only for the sisters. So the sisters gather all over the place from east to west to, to, to listen to the, uh, my speaking. Then the word got out, and Midwest, the Midwestern churches, they wanted to do it. So now, four times a year, the sisters in the entire Midwest gather in clusters, like like this, in clusters of churches, 
uh, just to follow and get two messages a time. So they have started that. Um, and to the brothers, surprise a little bit, um, they said the response from the sisters was uh, quite overwhelming. In other words, very positive, and many sisters came. And all that um, is a bit of a confirmation to me that there is a latent need among the sisters for something like this. So what, what I am doing this today is, um, is something that I'll be doing more, and that is wherever I visit, regardless where I go, if they have a setup like this to record, I would seize the chance to gather the sisters and speak, not just to a live audience, but speak the video. This way, this will be recorded and all this can be viewed everywhere, including Canada. So that's what I'm doing. So we cover four lessons and those four lessons are all available um, on the Canadian website, um, some west website somewhere, and and uh, I don't know about here. Uh, I would like to make that also accessible by you. Uh, no video, just audio and and the material and the material. Um, so. Um, let's say if your church here somewhere, uh, San Francisco, Burlingame, whatever, uh, some sisters in the church would like to watch that, uh, watch the video, I mean. You cannot access it directly. You cannot get the link. But if the church where you are can sponsor it, the brothers can get that. And then you gather the church, the sisters together, and so it's not like you're in your own home. This is a sister's meeting sponsored by the church, and then you can watch that video. Um, the, um, the first four messages are very, very crucial, and, and the same with this message. Now, message five, which is the one before this, uh, was also spoken um, uh, by me, and that was done in Irvine, Irvine, my, my, my home church. And it's, I was so burdened uh, for that message, that outline, that I actually expanded that into two messages. So there's actually, I actually gave six messages already, but it's only five lessons. And to really appreciate this lesson six, actually you need the previous lessons, particularly lesson five. Okay, So I, I'm saying this to encourage you to get into those prior messages. Now, I think uh, 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 individually, I think you can access the, the link here. I don't know where you go. Don't ask me somewhere. But only audio format, audio format. But I do believe you can get the outlines and the material as well. And you can do it on your own, I think. So you can check. All right. So is this five minutes? Are they are they ready? Are they are they They're still working on it. Still working on it, okay. Ah.
That's good. All right. Okay. Now the red light is on, recording is on, whatever. Okay. Um, now, um, I warned the brothers already. I said, uh, this time, this lesson happened to be in, a, in uh, happened to be concerned with head covering. So I said, this is a very sensitive subject. And um, are you sure you, you want me to speak this to the sisters here? I mean, in the Bay Area? Um, maybe I was quite uh, persuasive, and uh, uh, the brothers eventually say yes. Okay, so I, I'm taking the liberty to give this lesson. Now, let me say this. Um, I don't have a box of little head covering that I brought with me. Uh, or hairnets or scars, whatever. I didn't bring a bunch of them to sell to you when you leave the door, okay? So you can be at peace. Um, uh, in fact, as we get into this uh, lesson, you will realize that whilst we cannot, um, uh, how should I say, deny that there is this passage in the Word of God, part of the Apostles' teaching, and Paul's fellowship in particular, um, who made it plenty clear that there is such a custom in the churches at the time, uh, and that is on top of the long hair, which is a natural covering for the sisters physically, uh, there is um, uh, this matter of uh, another covering on top of that. I don't know in, in Paul's days what that head covering looked like. I have no idea. Um, but it is uh, very, very clearly the case. And it's also very clear that Paul was uh, took that very seriously and actually instructed the sisters to do so. Uh, according to the, the teaching. But you will see um, uh, our brother, that is um, our brother Lee, was um, very, very careful in this matter, and, and I follow him. That is, he said, uh, in his ministry, um, uh, of over 50 years, um, you know, this is spoken after he came to this country. Uh, he had never, um, what is the word? He had never um, make an issue of this as far as turning it into an outward formality, meaning a kind of requirement, a kind of, you know, you have to do this. He never did that. Um, although, he um, uh, spoke about it, um, but never forcing or mandating that any sister or anyone to have to uh, participate in this practice. And I think the same goes for the, um, the church life today. The brothers, I hope the brothers are not 
enforcing this kind of a thing. I certainly don't. Um, so, um, uh, is it um, right to have the head covering by sisters? Yes. Is it wrong for them not to have the covering? I wouldn't say yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, my attitude is that eventually this is a matter that is between you and the Lord. This is not a local church uh, requirement. Uh, of course, I grew up um, uh, in the church in the Far East. And in our, my days, um, this kind of head covering, um, um, which is not even like what some you sisters are wearing, a little, what do you call it, this little doily or whatever. It is, the, the typical one is the full, like a, there's a lot of echo, a lot of echo. Um, there's a, um, it's a, it's a full head net, uh, you know, you, you buy them at the church bookstore. They sell them. And, um, uh, although not all the sisters wore them, um, I would say in those days, probably majority would. And I think this is, uh, practice also. I was from, I, I'm from Hong Kong. I was from Hong Kong, so I'm speaking about that. I believe this is absolutely the case in Taiwan and no doubt the case in China uh, since the recovery began. In fact, head covering of the sisters became quite the characteristic of the Lord's recovery, outwardly speaking. Like baptism by immersion, we practice that very definitely. We don't sprinkle, right? Um, um, the head covering um, is quite uh, quite commonly practiced among us uh, in those in those uh, years. Uh, so much so that even eventually, Brother Nee was concerned that we become more or less known with these outward practices, and that even the saints would think that because we practice these things, we're the Lord's recovery. He said, "No, no." These are just outward practices. The important thing is the inward, Amen. the inward uh, situation, uh, and that is the the spiritual, uh, uh, the, the matters of the spiritual life. Then you say, then why are you talking about this? Well, this is a very good question, and the answer is simple. This lesson is included here. Um, for one thing, it was, it is uh, touched and spoken by, by the ministry, by Brother Lee. Uh, I mean, in a, in a frontal way, in a direct way, not in a, just in an oblique way. Um, and, uh, and I said already, it is in the Bible. Then you, do, you don't, we, you know what is the Jeffersonian Bible? You know, President Jefferson of U.S.? He has his own Bible, is the Jeffersonian version. He just cut out the passages that he doesn't agree with. So his, his Bible has a lot of holes. What he likes stayed, what he doesn't like or agree with, he cut them out. That's the Jeffersonian version. So we do not use the Jeffersonian Bible, we use the whole Bible. 
It's not what you like. It's not what I like. Um, it is the Word of God. And we must honor and respect the Word of God. It is there for a reason. Amen. So this is the other reason. And thirdly, I, must like, I, I like to say that there is actually a real burden within me. That over time, uh, in the Lord's recovery, uh, many sisters, and I especially talk about sort of the younger generation of sisters, um, possibly, possibly, um, have been deprived of, I shouldn't say de- be deprived of, I would say have missed uh, a certain kind of perfecting and, uh, and help associated with the reality of head covering, the spiritual significance of head covering, which is a great thing and which really is the center of my, my burden. All right. The practice, therefore, we leave it to the sisters. We leave it to your, your, uh, your, your dealing with the Lord, your, your conscience. Um, there's no outward enforcement. But the inward reality is not, not optional. The inward reality must be there. Amen. Must be there. And by the way, even though these words are directed head covering specifically at sisters apparently but you can see Paul didn't write epistle to the sisters no it is in his general epistle that he wrote this so it is not just for the sisters actually this portion talks about men and not just women not just female but the male very much I jokingly said, half-jokingly said, that actually these sisters' lessons are good for all the brothers. I mean that. All right? So I hope with this little uh, introductory word, uh, you would be calm. You would not get nervous uh, that I'm going to push something on you and impose some, some practice on you. Um, but still, to receive such a word... Uh, you have to be um, open. You have to be in a good condition uh, to receive the Lord speaking. Okay. So with this, we will just uh, get into this uh, the, this matter. Now, um, there's some scripture reading here, and uh, I don't have the time, especially I don't have the uh, uh, English Bible with me, but you do have Genesis 2-7, 18 through 24, 3, 1 through 6. You have it there? Ah, okay. Uh, the Word of God is important. So uh, you go home and read them. But I do like to read them to you uh, so that we have a complete view. So Genesis 2 7 says this. <clears throat> Jehovah God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. This is a, on the creation of man a supportive reference verse. Then we read from verse uh, chapter 1, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 18 to 24. And let me read. 
This is about the making of the woman. And Jehovah God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper as his counterpart. Now Jehovah God formed from the ground every animal of the field and every bird of heaven, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called any living animal, that was his name. Um, Verse 20, And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of of heaven and to every animal of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper as his counterpart. I think we're all familiar with the story. Verse 21, And Jehovah God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. We know all this... uh, types of of the Lord's death on the cross. And Jehovah God built the rib which he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. So you all know this is a type of the water that came out of the Lord's side. And that is his resurrection life. And with that resurrection life, he built the church, which is typified by the woman. And then this woman was brought to the man Uh, to be man's counterpart, to match man. Verse 23, And the man said, This time, this is bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. Uh, And that word is uh, isha, you know, in Hebrew. Um, That's the woman. And because out of the man, uh, this one was uh, taken. You know, man is ish. Woman is isha, right? So, man, woman. Uh, Because out of man, uh, out of man, this one was taken. In the last verse, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Um... You know, by the way, this is why brothers need some help. You know, it is proper for a man after he gets married not to just always be the mama's boy. (laughs) And just everything go back to the mother. That's not scriptural. The scriptural is that man should leave. No, it didn't say woman should leave. Woman can stay, I suppose. (laughs) That's more typically the case. But the man should leave the father and the mother, should leave the parents and to be his wife. This is actually the normal thing to do, the right thing to do. I hope the brothers practice this. This is is right. Okay, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Okay, this is about the serpent, and this is important because it talks about the failure of the woman, and um, and you have to go to lesson five to get this story. Lesson five, you got it. You really should uh, listen to that. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other animal with animal of the field that Jehovah God had made, and he said to the woman, "Did God really say?" You shall not eat of any tree of the garden. And Brother Lee always talk about the snake 
in the form of a question mark, right? Like this. The en- you know, the enemy always comes to us in the form of questions and doubts. And the woman said to the serpent, Of the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden God has set, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. See, this woman already fell into the trap. He engaged in the conversation. This conversation should not have taken place. The woman, once she heard the question, should have fled and hid behind the man and say, Ish, you go take care of this, right? Then the whole history of human race might have been written differently. But no, by sticking his neck out or his her head out, she engaged in direct conversation with the devil. And that's the beginning of the fall. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. So don't spend time talking to the enemy. The more you talk, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. He wants to talk. He wants to get into a deep conversation with you. Run away. Every time the enemy comes to you, sister, you just run away. Don't engage. Don't engage. That is, that's a huge big trap. Uh, no, no good thing will come out of that. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. And when the, when the woman saw the tree was good for food uh, and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make oneself wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband with her and he ate. You see, this is, sorry to say, sisters, how how it happened. Uh, the door into the human kind um, came through the female. Um, and that herein is the lesson. And so please go to lesson five to, to get it all. Now, those of you who may have the New Testament, we now turn to the main passage for today's lesson, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verses 2 through 16. I'd like you, even if you don't have the word in front of you, to pay uh, great attention. Um, And so 2 to 16. I actually would like you to read it. Uh, Do do we have enough sisters who have this in your your tablet or on your phone? You you have it? All right. I know it's a long passage, but I'd like you to read it. Okay, uh, let's read it together. Let's go. But I praise you because in all things you have remembered me and hold fast the things that I have handed down even as I handed them down to you. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of the woman and God is the head of Christ. Every man praying or prophesying with his head covered disgraces his head. But every woman praying... I just want to mention that the Chinese translations are now working. So the sisters tune to the frequency. For if a woman is not covered, let her hair also be cut off. But if it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut off or to be shaved, let her be covered. 
For a man ought not to have his head covered, since he is God's image and glory, but the woman is the glory of the man. For man is not out of woman, but woman out of man. For also man was not created for the sake of the woman, but woman for the sake of man. Therefore the woman ought to have a sign of submission to authority on her head for the sake of angels. Without man, nor man without woman in the Lord. Judge this in your own selves. Is it fitting for a woman to pray uncovered to God? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, because her long hair has been given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we do not have such a custom of being so. Neither the churches of God. Oh, the sisters wanting a Chinese translation is now working. Okay, now the last verse is also very important, and that is in First Timothy chapter two, fourteen. First Timothy chapter two, fourteen. Okay, all right. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, having been quite deceived, has fallen into transgression. Okay, now um, just a quick word. Uh, we will make uh, the um, uh, accompanying material accessible to you on whatever link that the brothers would would have here. So, besides the outline, uh, there's also these. Uh, uh, excerpts, okay, these ministry excerpts, uh, sort of the more juicy ones. But in the back uh, of these, there's always, we have a three study questions. These are, these are lessons, okay, to help you. Uh, you don't have it today, but you can access them later on um, uh, that you can use for your fellowship, for your study, uh, you know. And then, uh, very importantly, I have references and further reading. I strongly recommend that you get into that. For example, there's a singular message in the life study of 1 Corinthians, message 53, on the subject. So a lot of the stuff we have here actually came out of that, that message. Life study of Genesis, message 18. And also, there's a book called Crucial Truth in the Holy Scripture, volume 2, chapter 19. So those are, that would give you a very, very full plate. Of, uh, of reference material to study this matter. And I must tell you, uh, sisters, this matter is worthy of your study. So don't just listen to my talk and, you know, sh shelf it away. Uh, I think you really need, I hope you would go home in, in your uh, time, the, the free time and times that you have, really uh, get into this uh, as a lesson and also as a very, very spiritual exercise before the Lord with the help of the Word. Um, if I'm a sister, I would certainly do so, particularly with this, sub with this subject matter. Okay. All right. Um, let's just go to the outline. And um, 
I would like to uh, speak, of course, on this, and then uh, at the end, we have we certainly will have some time left over for uh, questions, for questions, and also um, also um, for maybe some testimony. Some of you may have that. <clears throat> okay, Roman numeral one. Uh, the significance of the woman is that she represents man before God. Now, this is a very important concept. Okay, what what is a woman? What what is a woman for? You may say before God. Well, there are a lot of reasons, many reasons, uh, as a help, as a counterpart, as a match. Uh, for procreation, uh, you know, for uh, for uh, accomplishing God's purpose uh, for man uh, to um, uh, multiply uh, on the earth uh, for uh, for God's expression and for God's representation. There, there are a lot of things, obviously. But here, uh, he, it's made very simple. The significance of the woman is that she represents man before God. What does that mean? That means, sisters, that man is a woman before God. Man is supposed to be a woman in relation to God. In other words, God is the only, the unique male in this universe. Then you say, unmanned males? Yes, physically they are. And they're mate, uh, 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 males. But actually, man, now I, I mean not just male, but male and female, mankind um, is a female to God. So God, uh, many times, uh, especially in the Old Testament, Jehovah said this many times, that your maker is your husband. Well, that occurred one time, but similar thought and concept uttered by Jehovah himself made it very clear that the maker, the creator, God, sees himself as the unique male, eventually a husband. That man, initially in the Old Testament, Israel, right? The nation of Israel, the called race, and eventually... Uh, all the saved ones uh, in the New Testament that is actually that comprise the church uh, collectively is a woman. Do you remember in Revelation chapter 12 there's a woman, universal woman standing there in the universe, right? Do you, you, you recall that? Uh, that is a picture of all of God's people, past and, and present and future. Um, and it's a woman. In the eyes of God, we're all women, including the brothers. Amen. Collectively, male and female, we are a woman. And so the sisters, in this regard as females, uh, represents that. Because physically, the brothers are male now. And physically, you are female. But you, uh, being the woman, uh, the sisters... You represent man, the collective mankind, before God. You say, well, that's just a picture, or that's just a sign, or something like that. 
But sisters, don't don't think that way. I mean, you have to even through this little line here begin to touch God's plan, God's heart, God's intention with man. With man, he wants to marry man. Am I right? He he came and woo man. Am I right? You know the the Solomon, the king, and the Shulamite, the country girl. All those plenteous um, uh, pictures and types and and, and foreshadows um, instruct us God's heart for man. He wants to have that divine romance. Am I right? Eventually, he wants to marry man. He doesn't want to marry no animal. You know, so this beautiful animals, beautiful creation. And that's just a setting. The person he wants, he longs for, right, that he desires is man. To be joined with man, that man may be joined with him so that they can be in union. In marriage, really, in marriage. Marriage is even marriage is a picture of the true marriage in this universe between God and man. This is a great thing. And sisters, you as a female or as a woman represents that. I mean, none of you should have any regret that you're a woman, that you wish you're not. Actually, I also joke with the brothers, after I study so much about sisters, you know, I, I complain to the Lord a little bit, why didn't you make me a female? <laughs> it's, it's, much, it's a much greater thing to be a woman than to be a man. I mean that. I hope, sisters, uh, see these lessons like this, you're not just getting some information, some doctrine, some whatever. I think, I hope that you would really touch the deeper and inner things related to God. And in this case, it's God's heart and intention. And you are you represent that. So, uh, so here we go, Isaiah 54, 5, I quoted that already. It says, for your maker is your husband. I mean, you think, God actually said that. When he looked at the children of Israel in that case, he said, don't you know that I'm not just your maker? I'm your husband. If you read the life studies, life studies you, know, you will know the whole history of the children of Israel leaving Egypt and going into the good land is a what? Is a, uh, it's, it's a romantic novel of how God uh, saved his people, right? Delivered them from Egypt, uh, the, the, the this other bully male called the devil, you know what I mean? Who usurped this woman, who captured this woman, not by her choice, um, uh, under the hand of Pharaoh, Pharaoh is the picture of that, to woo this woman, to bring this woman back to herself. And then you have all these things on Passover, you have all these things of these plagues dealing with Pharaoh, all with one intention, and that is to bring Israel back to himself again as his lady, you know, as his wife. And so he went through a lot of difficult um, uh, um, um, procedure to do that. Uh, and that is salvation. The picture of our salvation is to bring us back to becoming 
his wife. And so uh, you, if you read the life studies, you will know that, you know, the giving of the law, you know, at Mount Sinai, uh, to us it's just God gave Israel law. But actually, Brother Lee say that is like a uh, marriage certificate. He signed a marriage certificate. In other words, they got married at Mount Sinai in type, uh, in type. And so since then, God was bearing his woman, his wife, all the way, like, like on wings of eagle, like a big chicken, not chicken, a, a mother hen uh, uh, taking care of his little hens. You know, God treats us like a woman, like a wife. Israel first, and eventually the church. Um, I, I, I hope, sisters, you will touch that. You would, you, you know, every day if you touch that, you live that day quite differently. Um, so God is the unique universal man. He's the, there's only one male in the universe, and that is God, and that is Christ. Be whether we are males or females, we are all a part of his wife. All right, now, now you're clear. Uh, man is supposed to be male or female. Uh, we have male man and female man, right? We're all part of God's wife. Man's position is not the position of the husband. It is the position of a wife. See, I need to teach the brothers that. You, 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 you're not the husband. You're the wife. I, I think the best husbands, I mean, in, in our physical life, are those who think they're the wife. I think that will help a lot help the marriage a lot, you know, and not live in this kind of a bossy, um, macho, um, you, you know what I mean, I know it all way. Um, actually, brothers, brothers, we don't have, of course, we're husbands, so we have that position in the human realm. But in this realm that we are talking about of God, no, we are not the husbands. Don't even try to be one because you're going to fail. Take the position of a wife. If I am in the position of a wife to the Lord, then I can be a proper husband. Really, I speak from experience. I speak from experience. When I say, listen to me, I'm the husband. Follow me, right, whatever. It's going to be a bad day, okay? <laughs> I guarantee you it will be a bad day. If I, but if I lean on my beloved, the Lord, and say, Lord, you are my husband. I'm just a wife. I need you. I don't know what to do with my wife, you know, whatever. <laughs> I tell you, the rest of the day will be pretty good. You get the point. So, see, God is our husband. The headship, listen to, to, to me, the headship is with God. Now, enter this very important word called headship. That means the state or the position of being a head, headship. All right? This is a very important reality, not just a concept, but a reality in this universe. All the 
only person that has really the true headship is God. Not even man. Not even the, the, the male. It is God. Not even us, and he says, not even the men. I hope the brothers can hear this. All right, now come to two. The failure of the woman. This is a bit of a um, uh, recap of the last lesson. The failure of the woman consisted in being over the man and assuming the headship. Now, what happened to Eve, uh, the, the woman? What happened? I told you already, it's very, very simple. The singular failure of Eve was that he did not check with her husband and proceeded to react or respond to Satan, to the serpent. And by doing so, you may say, well, that's, it's inconvenient. Uh, Adam was back home sleeping, so she has to carry on the conversation. Well, the point is not even just that. The point is in this one act, the seriousness of it is that she, by default, assumed the headship. She acted like she is the head. She didn't check. She didn't hide behind the man. She did not look to the man, you know, what should I know? She proceeded to act as she is the decision maker. She is the, you know, she has the right to, to carry on. So she assumed man's headship. And that introduced the human race to the fall. And that's how Satan got, uh, was able to poison man uh, through the tree of knowledge of good and evil. To put it even in worse terms, Brother Lee say, the woman was over the man. She, she basically, without saying it, was acting in a way as if she is above the man. She doesn't need the man. She doesn't need to check. She can just do it. Now, sisters, sorry to say here, I must digress by necessity because of the world that we're living in, the prevalent philosophy of this modern, modern uh, um, um, uh, humanistic and, um, and uh, uh, liberal um, uh, philosophy that is not only permeating but advancing, but I would even say shove down our throat, um, and especially the young people, the kids' throat, um, um, under the guise of this thing called feminism, uh, where it, it says, you know, technically it is just about man uh, to 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 bring uh, a, a woman to an equal state, you know, in equal uh, equality, right? Um, 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 in in terms of their uh, privileges, in terms of their rights, in terms of economically, socially, and all of this. Which, uh, by the way, I have no problem with that, you know, because there were many, many ill practices in the past, traditionally in different societies. That is true. I'm not, I'm not for that. But you also should agree with me that if you look at the situation, you study the situation, this thing has gone way, way, way beyond that. It is not about equality now. It is about its time for the woman... To what? 
to take charge. To be over the man. And so those men who take in this part that and they begin to live even in subservience to the woman. Like this is a glorious and honorable thing. Which is entirely against the word and God's ordination. So I'm not here to pick a fight, okay, with the, these universities and with people who are the purveyors of the, these liberal philosophies. I have no time to fight with them. But I have a burden to instruct our own saints, especially the sisters, especially the youngest sisters. Many of you, you grew up in this age under that kind of speaking by your teachers. Is they're full of it in the educational system. Um, some more radical and some even more militant than others. But nevertheless, this is the common theme. And then you have the media, you have everybody pushing this. And that's why I say shoving it down the throat. Especially these young minds, especially our young people. They don't know what they're getting. Is this form a philosophy that is not aligned with the word of God. By the way, sisters, I would like to say something to you. We don't, we don't take any political position. We are not activists of any kind of social philosophy or cultural philosophy. We don't do that. The church is apolitical. The church is um, aphilosophical in that sense. The church exists in a different realm. The church is not in that worldly realm. So we don't go around telling the saints, you should pick this philosophy or that philosophy. We don't do that. But one thing, we will never back down. And that is, the word of God is our unique and the highest standard. Our standard is not what you say, what the professors say, what the presidents say, what God says. Determine how we live and how we should deal with things. This principle is sacred. If you veer from this, you're going to be in shaky ground. You say, who is right? Who? No, no. The Word of God. The Word of God. All right? <clears throat> and if your concept, you, you, you find yourself in insight involuntarily reacting to this in a negative way, I think you need to go to the Lord, not come to me and debate with me. You need to take the word and go to the Lord. This is why, dear sisters, we need the renewing of our mind. That renewing is not just kind of a kind of a, a kind of a fluffy thing. That renewing is based on the God-breathed scriptures. The word renews, and that's why it says in, in Ephesians, am I right? Uh, we are uh, uh, washed, right, by the water in the word. We all need a brainwash. We need a reverse brainwash, okay? Sisters, especially we come up from the, this whole system, especially the higher educational system is, is, um, is, 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 is taken over by this. Um, all right. 
The same principle operates today whenever we act on our own. Now, this is not just sisters now. All of us, man, whenever we act on our own, putting the Lord aside, we are defeated. We lost it already. Friends and sisters, the lesson here is we need to check with the Lord about everything. He's our husband. Don't engage with the devil. Whatever he shoots at you, whatever question he lops, lops at you, you don't try to answer. You lean on your beloved. You go to the Lord. You say, Lord, what do you say? That is a safe place to be. This is to live in oneness with the Lord every day. This is to walk in the Spirit. This is not to trust in your strength and your wisdom, but to wholly trust in the Lord. And that is the only way we can overcome. Number three, the position of the woman is one of covering her head and never assuming the headship. See, this is where the covering of the head comes. See, the word headship, the word head is there. Head indicates authority, right? Whoever is the head has the authority. Headship has everything to do with authority. And authority is a great thing in this universe. It is a unchanging principle. There is such a thing called authority. And actually, there's only one point of authority in the universe that is genuine and eternal. And that is God's authority, God himself, the one on the throne. So woman should cover her head, meaning he denies her headship. Do you follow me? She denies that she has the authority. Rather, she's saying, I don't have the authority. I submit to authority. That, that is the, that's the statement you're making, right? The head covering. So never assuming headship. And that woman doing that merely means we all have to do that. Amen. You know, the, the brothers, you, you, we may not have this thing on our head. We may not have long hair. But in principle, man before God should be covered, must be covered. Um, uh, that means we don't assume headship. Headship is only Christ. Christ is the only one, our only head in our lives and in the church life. Family life, marriage life, let God be the unique head. We are, all our heads should be covered. Now, A, we must always keep ourselves under God's covering. What a safe place to be, not to stick our head out. If you do, you know, Satan is a sniper, you know. You stick your head up, boom, he'll get you. You hide, he doesn't know where you are. So our God is our hiding place, is our shield, am I right? Is our refuge. Hide in him. Okay, stay under God's covering. The woman must cover her head and never assume the headship. B, since God is our head, we should always turn to him. That's why I say check with the Lord. You know, I, I, uh, I learned from Brother Lee. You know, Brother Lee said what? He said several times. He said um, every time someone says something, something happened, right away you have a reaction. You want to, want to say something or whatever. He said the way... Uh, to walk in the spirit is very simple. He said, restrain yourself from immediate reaction. 
He said, give it a minute. I practice that and it works. You know, so many uh, wrong things are done purely because we didn't wait. We just react. I mean, even to your husband, am I right? To You always regret. I always regret when I react to something immediately. So I have to learn to just slow down and not react, not say a word, not even show that face, right? That one minute, you know what, could be could save your day. That one minute would give you time to turn to your spirit. <laughs> that that minute gives you the time to turn to the Lord. And my, I, I find this is so saving, so so practical, saving me uh, from from a lot of stuff. So that means turn to Him. You know, we say, sister or brother, turn to your spirit. That's it. Just take one minute. Don't react and turn to the Spirit. Oftentimes, after turning to the Spirit, we won't say anything. Right? We won't, or we will say something different that is pleasing, something that does not bring in even more arguments and or disputations and, and, and just problems. Okay. Five. Head covering is a sign of submission to authority. Now, this is very, very plain, plainly spoken. It is a sign. The head covering, the physical head covering is a sign of submission to authority. You know, sisters, I have seen in... in Cases where a sister have this covering, but when I look at them, there's no covering. In reality, it's just a little something. There's no, no, it's not real. In fact, while they have this covering on, they are acting like a man or usurping the Lord's headship. Then what does that mean? That becomes just a, it's a hypocritical practice, isn't it? So this is why our emphasis is not just the physical aspect, but very much the spiritual aspect, the reality. And that's my burden for the sisters in the churches. You don't know, sisters, when the sisters, I don't even say the brothers, if the sisters would really touch authority, in this way, head covering or not, okay, physically, the sisters would touch God's authority in this way, you will see God's blessing in the church and God's blessing in your life, even your marriage and family life. There's a word that if he gains, he has a way with us, then he can avenge all the other rebellion. How beautiful that there is a, the sisters in the local churches all have learned this lesson of authority and of submission, not in that kind of a way. Well, look, you go to Afghanistan today, you have this woman with the, what do you call it, the 
Perker. You know, and so, you know, nowadays some they want to be modernized just with a little scarf or whatever, you know, wearing jeans and so on. But you go to some of these places, it's like head to toe with some, uh, I, uh, what do you call it? It's a uh, screened uh, thing. You couldn't even see their eyes. But underneath, I'm not so sure they are submission, submissive. I think when they go home, they take that off. You know, they give it to the husband, right? Um, so I don't care how how big your head covering is. Maybe your head covering is all the way to your toes. <laughs> but if there's no reality, it's just a formality. It is just a custom. The important thing is the reality. But to have the reality, you must contact reality. That means you must touch God. Sisters, with the help of this lesson, I do ask you to spend time with the Lord. Not even with your husband, with the Lord, the head himself, your husband, and let him speak to you even more. A, 1 Corinthians 11.10 says, Therefore the woman ought to have a sign of submission to, the author to authority on her head for the sake of angels. Now we're going to see what all this means. One, the head signifies authority according to God's ordination. We, none of us should belittle or uh, refuse God's ordination. You just don't question it. If God ordains something, we, you just say amen. And that is the blessing. That is the blessed way to go. A woman, um, uh, according to God's ordination, a woman, even though she has her own head, should not be the head, but should submit to authority. How about that? I mean, you have your head. You do have your head. But you voluntarily cover your head. That is a very deliberate act, very conscious act that I am not to, 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 to declare that I am not the authority. I only know to submit. Now, that can only happen to someone who has been truly touched by God and touched by God's throne. If you have never met God and his throne, you will never do this. Only those who have really touched the Lord and touched his authority will, will do this. Will do this. Because this is not quite logical and not even not so humanly reasonable. Brothers the same. We, the brothers, also need to touch the authority of the Lord sooner or later. When you do that, you will just say, I am not the authority. You know, today there are brothers who go around reading that book, you know, what is it? Authority and submission, and going around looking like I'm the authority, or I'm the deputy authority. That is ugly. That is awful. No, no brother should do this. Rather, we should go around to give people the impression we're here to submit. Even we're brothers, because there's, there's someone over us. That is a beautiful thing. All right?
And so, um, two, thus she should never, she should cover her head as a confession. This is a confession, a declaration that even though she has her own head, she is not the head and does not act as the head. That is just absolutely a lovely scene. But I would say, you cannot perform this. You, you, you cannot act this out. Or if you can, for a very short period of time. You must be touched by the Lord, and you must have touched his throne. Yeah. B, head covering declares that a woman is under authority and confesses and receives another as her head, allowing him to be the head, in this case the man. Sorry to say, the man. Simply speaking, when the woman covers her head, it is a sign that she submits to authority. That's it. That, that's so simple. Why the head covering? In plain one sentence, that means this woman acknowledges authority and submits to it. That, that's it. It's a sign of submission. C. Verse 5, Paul says, But every woman praying or prophesying with her head uncovered disgraces her head, for it is one and the same as she who is shaved. Now, Paul is very, very strong here. I, I dare not be, be, be Paul. Um, she said that if you, sister, if you don't have a, you know, a, a head covering, it's like you shave your head. I mean, that's very strong language. Paul is very, very convicted by this. Okay. Now let's read here. Since woman is under the headship of man, she should keep her head covered, not exposed, when she touches the divine administration by praying to God and speaking for God. Now, uh, let me take just a quick moment to tell you about the book of 1 Corinthians, where you find this passage. 1 Corinthians is a book of problems, the well-known epistle about many problems in the church. And that book can, one, in one way, be divided by chapter 1 through 10 and chapter 11 through 16. The first 10 chapters, Paul begin to cover certain what we call moral problems, you know, human moral problems. But in the last... Uh, uh, six chapters, he did not cover moral problems per se. He covered what? He covered problems that has that, that touches that touch God's administration. God has an administration in the universe and in the church among His people. You know, there's a verse, famous verse that says, "Judgment begins from the house of God." That judgment refers to God's administration, God's dealing with his people according to his governmental administration. And this is a very, very serious affair, by the way. And so the last uh, six chapters cover problems that has to do with that, not just moral problems. Okay. And the first thing that Paul brought up was head covering. Chapter 11 showing that the headship and the authority is the primary thing in God's administration. You knock off authority, there's no more administration. If, if, if the White House, you know, the Oval Office, the President's Office, you take away the authority, there's no administration anymore. 
it's the administration that give them the power to administrate, to govern. So this is the first thing. So, uh, sisters, uh, even just a little word is to help us realize we're touching God's government here, even as we talk about head covering. All right. Now, particularly here is talk about he, she should particularly cover her head when she prays or when she speaks. Why? Why? Because praying and speaking in the church context, you know, in the church meetings or whatever, in the church, in the spiritual context, inevitably touches God's administration. You may not know. You know, whenever we pray, we're touching God's throne. Yes or no? We come to the holiest place to touch the what? Throne of grace. So you're not just asking something, please, Lord, do this. You are touching the throne if you know what's going on. The genuine prayer touches the throne of God, and that is the throne of grace. But it's still the throne. So authority is still there. And so when you touch the throne, you must, you, you will demonstrate that you're in full submission. Because it is, touches God's administration. Speaking is the same. You may think speaking in the meetings, well, we, you speak, I speak, that's okay. Well, if you're just opining, if you're just kind of here, you're chit-chatting, that's one thing. But if you speak like prophesying properly, you're actually speaking for God at the moment. You're speaking God, you're speaking uh, forth God, you're also speaking for God. In other words, you are representing God to speak his word to his people. Now, let me tell you, that touches the throne immediately. So it is when the sisters are doing these things that uh, the apostles said, they should not expose their head by covering it. Otherwise, she disgraces or shames her head, as if, uh, I'm on two now, as, as if having her head shaved, because she denies, denies the divine governmental ordination by exposing her head to the observing angels when he touches the authority of God. Now, we're going to touch this matter of the angels later on, but you just keep in mind that sign is not even for the saints, not even for the brothers, not for your husband. That sign is for the unseen angels to see. This is a very important thought. We're going to get into that in a, in, a, in a moment. Just keep that in mind. Now, D, verse 6 says, For if a woman is not covered, let her hair also be cut off. My, Paul is so strong. Paul is so strong. I dare not say that. I, absolutely. But I can read that, okay? <laughs> but if it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut off or to be shaved, let her be covered. You know, head covered. One, this indicates that the head covering is a covering in addition to long hair. Two, for a woman to have long hair not having her head shaved signifies that she does not reject God's governmental ordination. And for a woman to have a head covering in addition to her long hair is to say amen to the divine ordination. You know, there's a big amen on her head. You look at the head, you just read, Amen. You know, today, 
I find it very difficult even to look at pictures or in-person females who just totally shave their head. It just, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just offensive. It's just um, very disturbing, very uh, unbecoming. This is a very, very, that's a lame term, huh? Very, it's something very wrong. That's the feeling I have inside. Something so, something that's just almost disgusting. That's my reaction. Because it is not right. I mean, later on you will see, even according to nature of God's, crea- God's creation, it, it, it's not right. Okay? All right, let, let's come now to five. Uh, I need to finish this lesson in good time. We need to see now the reasons for the head covering. We're not in, uh, uh, doing a life study. We're not interpreting in detail. But we're going to go through a few verses to help us to see Paul's reasoning. Paul was a quite a, quite a lawyer. Uh, he 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 presented a pretty um, uh, bulletproof case. Okay, a man is God's image and glory, but woman is the glory of man. So one man was made in God's image to express God and glorify Him, since man is God. Uh, 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 bear God's image and glory and represents God, he ought not to have his head covered. If he does, God's image and glory will be concealed. So you don't want to cover man because man is supposed to express God and represent God. However, too, since woman is the glory of man, she ought not to have her head expressed but covered. She should not express herself but the man under whom she is. You know, to when you cover yourself, you're letting your covering do the speaking. You're letting your covering be the expression, not you. You're hiding, basically. And that becomes your expression. In this case, it is the man um, because uh, she is uh, his glory. B, man is not out of woman, but woman is out of man. As a rib taken out of man, woman was made out of man. That's clear. God did not create a woman. He didn't. He made, he built a woman. Um, The Hebrew word is he built Eve. He formed a male body from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril, uh, his, his, his body, the breath of life. As a result, a man named Adam became a living soul. Then two, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and then he opened his side, took out a rib, and used that rib to build a woman. Thus woman was not created, but came out, became, but came out of man. This indicates that the woman's place uh, is by the side of man. That's interesting. Uh, came out of the sides and should stay by the sides. Um, um, we all should be by the side of Jesus, right? Enjoying his cleansing blood and drinking of his divine life, his resurrection life. That's where the church belongs, at the side of Christ. And that's the woman's place. 
Man was not created for the sake of the woman, but the woman for the sake of the man. Here the apostles take God's purpose in the creation of man and woman as another uh, strong ground for his teaching and of head covering. It is based not upon any human-made customs. You know, today a lot of these covering, covering, you know, a lot of these old... You know, in, I think in Chinese society, right, very conservative societies, you're supposed to cover everything, right? A- am I correct? Everything cover, cover. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm saying that that is a custom. And Paul does not base on, is not saying this based on human customs, but God's revelation. So, but upon the divine purpose of creation, the creation of woman was made for the purpose of matching man. In other words, truly the woman is made for the man, to match man. Brother Lee says two sides of the melon. You know, you have a watermelon, cut it inside. It takes two to form the whole. So you need the woman to match the man, to have a, a whole man. Okay, uh, where are we? D. Now, we come to the angels. Women ought to have authority on their head for the sake of angels. You've you got to remember this. Not for the sake of society or this, even the saints. Don't, don't do this for the saints to look at. It's for the angels to witness. Authority here denotes the head covering, which signifies the authority of man's headship over the woman. Now, this, in today's age, this is hard pill to swallow. What? The authority of man's headship over the woman? Are you crazy? Are you? What century are you from? Man is still over the woman? Yes. The Bible says so. Look. Look. There's a verse here where it says that not only the woman, uh, a man is the head of the woman, and not only Christ is the head of man, man also has a head. But God is the head of Christ. Now you think you shouldn't submit or have your head covered. Let me tell you, Christ covered his head. Christ lived a whole life on the earth, 33 and a half years, with his head covered. Not, you know, you understand what I mean. Not physically. You look at his life. He lived his whole earthly life as a man in full submission to his father. No, not even as a man. Even as God, the son of God. You just read Philippians chapter 2, the seven steps of, in descending order of how he did not treat his equality, the Son of God with the Father God, with God, something to grasp upon. He was equal with God in the Godhead, the Son. But he did not grasp on that, but rather he took on the form of a man, the form, the, the, the form of a slave um, to be under the father. 
And he, you read the Gospels, you see that's what exactly what he did. He said he did not speak, seek his own glory. He did not speak his own word. He did not do his own work. He did not carry out his own will. He did not speak his own words. This man, the whole time, was heavily covered. He took the, his father as his head. Now, if Christ is so, what are we to do? He is equal with God. You and I are not. He was equal, but yet deliberately, voluntarily, in order to accomplish God's purpose, he took a lower place. And say, Father, I'm under you. Whatever you say, thy will be, your will be done. Christ has a head. Sisters, don't, don't say, oh, we're in the bottom of the totem pole, you know. We, we have to submit to everybody, you know. <laughs> Christ actually took the lead to submit. Amen. We're here to imitate Christ. I hope there's a change in your head, in your mind, in your concept. That submission is not ugly. Submission is lovely. Submission is not a shame. Submission is an honor. It's an honor to submit. Submission, brothers, sisters, that the world teaches you, you are, you, you women have been oppressed. You need, you need to be what? Emancipated <laughs> from the male oppression since the Stone Age. Well, I admit, you know, there's a lot of bad men out there. They, they abuse their wives. They uh, I admit that, uh, that that's true. But sisters, don't buy that. Don't when you think submission right away, you think oppression. No, no. You think Christ think he's oppressed by the Father? No, of course not. So we need our brain washed with the Word of God. We're not in that realm the realm of philosophy. Okay. Uh, Satan, the chief angel, this is the story, had been commissioned to control the universe for God. You know, Lucifer, he was the top angel, the archangel, the one who led the worship to God in the pre-Adamic age. But he rebelled and certain angels followed him. Of course, a good number of angels remained faithful uh, uh, to God, that's about two-thirds, but one-third followed Satan, uh, uh, the Lucifer and was cast down into the air where this is where their realm is, where the it's called the power of darkness resides. And these are the devil with the rebellious angels. So God made man for this reason. God made man to defeat that one-third fallen angels. God will not defeat the angel directly because he is the creator. The creator will not deal with the creature. He will raise up yet another creature to deal with the rebellious, other rebellious creature. 
And for this reason, in part, man was made. So today, to declare God's headship, to be in submission to the divine authority, means we have succeeded. It means God has succeeded um, in defeating Satan. And even there's a sign of defeat to him. And I believe this sign is not just for those evil angels, but even for the good angels. The good angels will say, thank God, there are people on the earth that are like us who did not rebel. They stay in submission to God. What a shame to the devil, to Satan. You, sisters, you don't even need to say a word, you know. In fact, you shouldn't talk to the devil anyway. So just the sign, just your living, just your attitude, just your heart and spirit. Declare is a testimony to all the angels that God has succeeded, that God has gained a people. Um, for his kingdom. Okay, let's finish. E, nature itself teaches us that long hair is a dishonor to man, but long hair is a glory to woman. When Paul says nature, he refers to the natural constitution. This is in God's creation. We, we're made that way. There's something we're made that way. You, you just don't go and deny that. It takes a lot of energy to deny what's real. huh? And today... People are just spending so much energy to change God's ordination. Number one, it's not changeable anyway. It may look briefly like you've changed, but actually you change nothing. But they spend so much energy and so much money, right, and so much everything. Why not say amen to God's ordination? It's according to our natural constitution. Nature itself tells us that man should not have long hair, but woman should. The woman, by her female constitution, realizes, realizes that to have long hair to cover her head is glory. Uh, yes, yeah. and this is also strong ground for the apostles' teaching concerning head covering. Okay, number six. Let's read together. We do not want to a mere outward formality. But it is a fact that the Bible reveals that church should have such a sign declaring that we are people under. So when a sister have a head covering, basically that is the church's sign. Not done by brothers, but done by sisters. Is a, But it's the sign of the church, not just of the sisters, but of the church. That she, the church, is under God's headship. A, in the church meetings, the sisters should wear a head covering to signify that we recognize God's authority and respect his headship and that we are not a people rebellious against God's God. Instead, we are absolutely submissive to him and signify this by having a uh, head covering. B, however, although this has been our practice for more than 50 years, we have never forced anyone to practice, uh, participate in such a practice. In speaking about head covering, it is not our intention for the sisters to accept an outward practice merely in a doctrinal way. I think this is a very balanced word. C, when a sister puts, on, puts a, a covering on her head, she needs to realize 
the significance of head covering. So don't do this as a church custom with no meaning. Uh, do this in a meaningful way, right? Then that is imbued with reality. Okay, sisters, I'm done. I'm good. Look at 3330. I'm very proud of myself <laughs> to have uh, finished in, 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 uh, in time. Now, sisters, do you have any questions or not about this or about anything uh, that you'd like to ask? Yes. Yeah, the sister asked, uh, how about the color of the head covering and, I guess, size and style or whatever it is. Um, no, no. I, I've seen all manners of head covering. You know, um, in, the, um, in the early days when I came to the States, I was not never used to see the small little head covering. I'm used to seeing the whole thing, you know, over there in the Far East. And I think some of the... Uh, sisters from that direction carry that, and, and, and they continue to do that. Um, that's the first time I saw the smaller one, which is sort of more Western or American, whatever, practice. Then I see uh, 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 sisters just, just have a scarf or a bandana or whatever. They just put it on here. I've seen that. Um, you know, I certainly have seen scarves, you know, a full scarf that, that wraps and... I think, Sister, uh, that, that is not uh, the crucial you know, color. I've seen all kinds of colors. So I don't think that is crucial. The crucial, again, is uh, the reality. But the Lord may lead you uh, to do so. And, um, you know, it is not to attract attention, that's for sure. It is not for people to see. It's for the angels, Any other? Yes. Um, Brother Bruno, so you mentioned that the woman is uh, under the headship of man. Yes. Um, and we are all under the headship of God. So I really say this. Well, 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 wait, wait a minute. Then man is under Christ. Man is under Christ. And Christ right. is under God right. in, in that order. Sorry, go on. Go. Right. So with that in view, I really say this with fear and trembling, but... Um, suppose that a husband is not under the headship of Christ, meaning perhaps maybe there could be some um, entanglement in worldly things, or it could be that they are usurped by their occupation, which causes them to um, maybe leave this kind of headship. Um, is the sister still covered? And also, what kind of position should the sister take to still be proper before God and also be proper before her husband? Well, I, my answer is very, very simple. Don't worry about your husband. <laughs> you keep your position. Regardless of them. I'm not saying they are a saint. I'm not saying they are not, could not get rebellious. I'm not saying they won't fail, you know, here and that. Or even they are not under God's headship. Things happen like this. Uh, sort of happen to all of us, right? But it is not your job to, hmm, okay. Now I have to write to... What, what, what? Your job is simply to keep your position. That's it. That's ordination. That is, uh, that doesn't, that is irrespective of condition. 
Now, I am not saying, of course, this is a whole subject on, this, on, on explaining the difference between submission and obedience. There's a difference. Obedience means you follow to the T whatever someone says. Submission is an attitude. There is a difference. So let's say you have a husband, I'm making this up, that uh, he's not in the church, he does all kinds of things that you cannot do, right? You should still submit. That's what I mean by regardless of the condition, regardless. That means your attitude, the place you take uh, uh, um, um, related to him, in, a, in relation to him, who is... Number one, a man. Number two, your husband, right? Uh, should still be the position of submission. Your attitude should still be like that. But it does not mean that you obey. Obey meaning you do whatever he says. Mm -hmm. Because some of the things may be anti-Christian. Some of the things may be offensive to the Lord. You just cannot do that. Let's say he takes you to go and worship idols. You cannot obey that. Right? Or some other things. So, uh, but let me just be very, very simple. The simple answer is do not um, get into reasoning. The moment you get into reasoning, there's all kinds of reason why you should not submit. So when you get there, you, you get confused. You always take your position. I'm a woman, so I'm under the man. I'm the wife, I'm under the husband. Whether he's under whatever... That's his problem. But I will, for conscience sake, and because of God's word, remain where I am, positionally. You take care of that. Then the other things, you have to work it out, right? But in terms of your attitude and your, your um, position. Good question. A very good question. Okay. Yeah, she she she's staying covered. That's. <laughs> So can you anonymously ask if the flow of the meeting will allow? What can we as sisters do to hasten the Lord's return in our daily living, especially if we are limited by either young children or a full-time job? Then in parenthesis, uh, how do we know we are making progress? Well, that's a, that's a huge big one. I mean... The sisters and the brothers should do the same thing to hasten the Lord's coming back. There's no difference. You know, there's not something sisters do and the husbands don't do. No, no, there's no difference. Um, I, I get it. You know, I know why the sister's asking because they're busy with kids and they can't come to all the meetings or what, what, what. So uh, there must be something else we can do uh, to hasten the Lord's return. No, in this respect, really, there's no difference, I would say, for a brother and a sister. We're just the same. Uh, there's no female and male in this regard. We're all females. Uh, to the Lord, you know, um, in terms of um, 
loving him, in terms of submitting to him, obeying him, trusting in him, um, taking him, um, and all of this, um, which are also the things that we do every day in our lives to, uh, to, uh, uh, to what is the word, progress, right? to, to, to make progress. That means to grow. That means to grow in life and so on and so forth. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think really it's quite simple. Right? There's no special thing that you do. Now, now that said, that said, um, uh, in the history of the church and even the history among us, uh, sisters are sisters and brothers are brothers. They are different. They are different. And uh, the sisters are, by nature, by by their makeup in creation, uh, more fine, right? They're more uh, tender in their emotions. They're more. Um, uh, they're more that way. Or I, I don't want to use the word they're more emotional, but generally, the, the, the men are more mental and the women are more emotional, generally speaking. So all this sort of predisposition uh, caused them to, you know, you know, how they relate to other people in the same way. So sisters relate to uh, people in one way, men relate to one another in a little different way, in a rougher way or in a uh, less emotional way, whatever. So, so that is a kind of a disposition or makeup of, the, of a female. And so that spills over into their relationship with the Lord. Nothing wrong with that. So you find actually um, uh, uh, quite frequently, and it's not always the case, but Quite frequently, um, the, the sisters have a their their relationship with the Lord uh, are more fine, finer, are more um, um, tender, are more um, deeper. Even I would even say, um, just check the songs. You know, in our hymns, there are many great female uh, hymn writers. And a lot of their songs, you can tell, it's a sister who wrote that. A man cannot write that, you know, the sister who wrote that because of, because of this. So, um, so having said that, man, you know, we're all the same. There is that side um, that uh, the, the sisters would be more, more tender in their relationship, even with the Lord. And the brothers should learn from that. I wish the brothers would weep more, not just to get emotional. But what I mean is there's too little emotions. Uh, the problem with the brothers is they think they're man, they need to be no tears and um, tough. Well, well, there's that side, and God made man that way, but, uh, you know, Romance is an emotional affair, isn't it? Our romance with the Lord, it's a highly emotional affair. You, it's not a mental thing. Hey, when are we getting married, you know? <laughs> Where's the list, the guest list or whatever? It's an emotional affair. And, and many brothers actually are a little bit, uh, shall we say, uh, handicapped. 
And so their relationship with the Lord is sometimes not so deep, not so detailed, you know what I mean, not so sweet because of that. And so I hope the brothers, many brothers can be, can learn to be more feminine in that sense, in that spiritual sense with the Lord. Uh, so, so that, there's that other side, that other side. Yeah. How do you submit to the Lord? Uh, with the Lord's help. <laughs> I know that because there's a lot of complex situation in our lives, you know, marriage, you know, you know, you know, lives where we run into these situations. You need to have a submissive attitude, but you just cannot go along with some something that is just wrong or in some cases immoral or divisive or whatever it is. And you, in other words, you cannot do it. You cannot do it um, according to your conscience. So you need... I would say this requires wisdom. This requires wisdom. A, a simple case, a simple case, um, you know, in Taiwan, Taiwan, especially with the uh, Taiwanese, you know, the indigenous, the, uh, not indigenous, the Taiwan uh, 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 people, huh? uh, not those they call them, Waisengren, those from mainland China, those are not Taiwanese. I mean those who speak Minanhua and all those, right? Okay. And I don't mean the indigenous Polynesian Taiwan local people. I mean just those. Most of them uh, worship idols, especially in the southern part of Taiwan, uh, because they are seafaring people. They are... They fish, they do all these things. They, they need protection from something, you know. So they have their own kind of goddess and gods and so on that they, you know, they, they, they worship and they, they for, for their protection, you know, when they go to sea and all that. So it's a big deal. So whenever there's idolatry, there's also a lot of demons, act, demonic activities. So in these places, a lot of demons. There's a brother who is a... Uh, main oldest elder in this city of Kaohsiung. Kaohsiung is in the southern part. It is a fishing city traditionally. And she was, he was not a Christian before. He was fully into this. He told me horror stories of demons. Sometimes even, sometimes even comical stories about demons. But it's real. It's associated with idol worship. But, um, so uh, uh, many of these uh, of our younger uh, brothers and sisters got saved. Uh, not only they have worship uh, idols, they also have ancestor worship. That's a very Chinese thing. You know, you, you, you worship your ancestors to honor them. And so after they get saved, they cannot do that. They, they, they cannot do that. And so while they have to still submit, be submissive to their parents, they cannot obey them in, ter- in, in terms of these, act- these activities. And that produces a great conflict. And some of them just could not do it. And it's caused the parents to disown them in some cases. 
just just got rid of them. Really, it's that serious. But they have to follow the Lord. The attitude is still submissive, but they would not cannot obey. And in time, we also found that some parents eventually got saved. They saw the testimony and this and that. So that is just just a story. I mean, illustration of the difference between the two. It requires a lot of um, wisdom and a lot of patience and some suffering, I must say. Some suffering, right? Uh, but we're here to follow the Lord. And, you know, we obey only God, right? We obey God rather than man. I think that's the word in the Bible, right? Yes. So a lot of the time we feel like, um, and especially we feel, you know, we have to take a position to to wait a lot on things. And <laughs> um, practically speaking, I'm a very quick person dispositionally, and I don't like to wait. And sometimes I just feel like sometimes I notice things, like practically speaking in service or um, even at work, I um, one of many saints around my area in the financial district, but then I don't want to initiate a Bible study on my own. Like, what is the difference between, like, you know, taking, like, ha- submitting in the sense of waiting on brothers, or how do we how do we do that? Do we pray yeah. and just wait, or do we? Yeah. It's you know, a big, take action? it's a problem, a perennial problem in FTTA. They have teens, brothers and sisters, and the brothers are like. <laughs> What do, you, what do you call that? Uh, those those uh, soft uh, candies. Huh? What do you call? What do you call it? No, 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 no. Huh? What you what you go uh, barbecue and cook? Marshmallow. Marshmallow. Marshmallow brothers abound okay so even even in the so we got teams and the brothers just like that and the brother, sisters are totally frustrated and and I and I sympathize with them uh, then what do you do they're not brothers so uh, in some cases I just tell the sisters uh, you just if the brothers really won't do anything they, they just won't won't move then uh, you have to do something and that's not rebellious. Um, that's not rebellious. Of course, you don't do it like you are the brother now. You know, you, you take charge or something. You, you, you add, again, your attitude is still a, you know your place. You know your position. Don't, don't, don't change that. You're not supposed to change that, which is what the feminists trying to do, to alter the position, the order that God has ordained. You don't do that. You don't touch that. But in terms of certain things that has to be done, that, that uh, you know, shepherding and uh, having some Bible study, this and that, you in through fellowship still, you, you should just uh, go and do it according to the Lord's leading. That has nothing to do with administration per se. That has to do with just uh, taking care of some needs, right? No, sometimes I want to give those brothers a swift kick in the rear. <laughs> Yeah, so 
I think you, you, you know, because we still need to follow the spirit and, you know, how far, you know, not to go too far and so forth and still remain as a covered one. Anything else? Okay, all right. So give me the final 10 minutes. I want to say something about the Lord's present move in Northern California for the sisters. And, uh, of course, here and there, you've probably been hearing things a little bit, so forth. So um, um, after we have those two years of training with the brothers... Uh, that was that ended in that 2016. Uh, in the year 2017, we had some various conferences and trainings on uh, calling on the Lord, right? On prayer reading, you know, these kind of things. Uh, that I think I think was uh, was a help uh, in, in in many instances. And we're not over with those things, but um, we're we're moving on. And uh, this year too, the 2018, uh, we are just burdened to uh, advance the Lord's recovery in Northern California even further. So uh, I must tell you, sisters, that uh, a most wonderful thing happened and still is happening in Northern California. I really mean that. And we need you to help maintain that and even strengthen that. What is that? That is a certain one accord among the churches in Northern California. In other words, we will not just look at ourselves as disparate, distinct, separate local churches, which we are, but we will no longer emphasize that. We still need to practice our church like where we are, but we are moving fully in a way of one church in Northern California. Really, really. Um, This morning I gave a strong message to give the church in Fremont some direction for the church. It was quite wonderful, I must say. And there we quoted the verse, uh, Acts chapter 9, right? Where it says, The church in Judea, Samaria, and Galilee... Now, there are many churches in those few regions, but very, very interestingly, the record says the church singular. All right? And uh, and, uh, so the point is this, sisters. Uh, I hope all the sisters in the churches will also see this vision. This is not just the age of the local church anymore. We're in the age of the body. I could take, I would take this further. We're in the age of the one new man. We're really in that age. And we intend to practice accordingly. And so no church should be there just isolated, surviving, you know, fighting and, you know, all this on their own. There's no need. We all should, what, become one church in Northern California to move together, to share resources, to, uh, um, um, to, 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 to mutually uh, benefit and to help and benefit um, um, uh, each other. Uh, um, 
um, that's the only way to go. So I hope even the sisters, you will not think so much. I'm from the church in, what, Burlingame? Don't, don't think that. Think, force yourself to think, I'm from the church in Northern California. Amen. Wow, that's a big church of several thousand people. So we will pool resources, spiritual resources, financial resources, manpower resources. This is so that the Lord can move in a much more speedy way and more efficient way. Uh, trust me, sisters, this is the way the Lord is leading. Very, very clear to me. And you in Northern California is taking the lead to explore this path. And whatever I'm doing here, I'm exporting it to other places in the country, really. Um, and so, but it needs you sisters to, to see this and really have a buy-in, right? And so that you would think this way and you would help the churches to really, that we would church together in this way uh, all over uh, the northern part of, um, of California. I hope the day will come we will be the church in California. You know, they're trying to make this three states. I don't agree with that. I think this great state of California should be one. Well, spiritually, I hope northern and southern California churches will be one church in a practical sense, and that will be so wonderful. You know, today the Lord's blessing on the island of Taiwan because it is the church in Taiwan, really. It's not just the churches. They have such harmony and coordination that allows to do a lot of things that one church cannot do. Even Taipei cannot do. We intend to experience that blessing here. So, sisters, I'd like you to live like that and live the body life and the new man life. Right? Uh, then, number two, I'd like you to support and... Um, uh, you know, be engaged with this so-called family training that we're having on Lord's Day, the third meeting. I know for some of you it's old hat. You know, it's been there, done that. I know that. But don't, don't, don't let people know that you know that, okay? <laughs> uh, support the brothers. Uh, I bet you even, to, even oldies among us, we still need to deal with our conscience. We still need to repent. We still need to, you know, we need that. And I will tell you why we're doing that. We're not doing this just because we need some new believers meeting to fill up the morning time. No, the morning time is quite crowded already. It's not for that. I tell you the main need, I'm going to tell you this now, the main need in the Lord's recovery now, at least in this country, particularly here, I mean specifically here for you, is the vitalization of the saints. Or I can use another word, the pneumatization of the saints. So that, that means to be spiritually living and active. So that we can become the Lord's corporate army, which is what we cover in Kansas City, as the new man to really, really accomplish something that the Lord was had not accomplished in this country. And for you in Northern California. I talk a lot about Elden days and 50 years ago and that and all that. I, I, I do. But actually, I'm not just being nostalgic and wanting to bring us all back, which is, which 
is impossible anyway. I am looking forward to a greater Elden, a more glorious Elden. I'm looking forward to a final revival, the greatest revival. And so, sisters, we're looking forward. We're looking forward. I hope all of you would have this heart. Even uh, you would have this kind of uh, anticipation within you. And certainly you will have the prayer for the leading brothers, for the churches, and for the saints uh, to move as one. You know, sisters, you could be a divider. Like Yodis and Syntyche, you know those two women in uh, Philippians? Uh, Paul says, Paul told the saints to talk to those two sisters so that they would think the same thing because there's some, some, some rift and division between them. And when sisters are not one, that church is, that church is not in a good place. But when the sisters are one with the Lord and with one another, I tell you, ooh, the Lord can do a lot of things. A lot of things. What the Lord is doing in Northern California is very special right now. It's not a common move. And I'm not saying because I'm here, forget about me. The Spirit's move in this area is new. And the Lord certainly wants to accomplish something here. But we need all the sisters' support. In prayer, in giving, because you hold the purse strings. I know how it works. In finances, in finances, uh, minimum, minimum, we should tithe, all of us, meaning the top tenth, minimum. That's not maximum, minimum. And then we should at least separate another 5%. 5% for what? For the need of the Lord's work, like full-timers, co-workers, and all of this. Because no people, no work. I told uh, the brothers, right? I said, I give them a simple way. I said, even beyond, I'm almost done, beyond the at, at least 10%, that 10% actually should grow over time. Because the law says 10%. Grace said more than 10%. So this has to become habit to you. You know, that's like federal income tax. You don't even see it because it's withheld. It's in your IRA account or whatever account. It's an account in the heavens. You don't even see that money. It just goes there straight. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, besides that and besides the 5%, I'd like to say this. See, here we have 24, 2,500 saints, you know, like that. If each saint, including the young people, each week, each week would save $5, I think our young people can save $5. I think young people today have money, you know, not like the old days. You know, I look at the sneakers they wear, whoa, my goodness. It's more expensive than my leather shoes, you know. And for some of us, just skip one week, just skip one visit to, uh, to um, Seattle Coffee or, or Starbucks, 
Don't eat that donut. Don't drink that frappuccino. Okay? That's $5. That's $5 right there. Okay? Four weeks, $20. Correct? One month. Twelve months, $240. By doing nothing. In fact, by getting healthier. <laughs> frappuccino is not good for you. Water is better. Huh? Okay. $240 per saint that even a high schooler can do. This is above and beyond the 10%, 5%. How many saints? 24, 2,500. Okay, someone do the math. We did it already. 2,500 times 240. Who is, who is a math major here? 250, uh, two, 2,500 saints, each one per year, $240. Huh? What? No, no, no. It's, it's the, what is the number? Huh? Okay, let me do it. 240, 240 times 2,500. by doing nothing except get healthier. $5. Saints, you have a $5 right now that you can throw away, right? And and you won't even miss or feel that much. $5. And just have a piggy bank in in your house. Just put it in there, put it in there. And get your high school son do it. Get your uh, uh, whatever, the junior high girl to do it. Okay, everyone in my family would do it. It's $5, $5, $5, $5. And at the end of the year, $240. And just put it in the offering box. Then Northern California, this is all going to go to the work fund. There's a work fund in Northern California to support the full-timers. $600,000 a year. That can support a lot of people. I'd like to tell you, the Lord willing, this fall, we're going to have a new team in Reno. Campus team with four new full-timers. And we intend to keep growing more and more teams to target the campuses, you know, the campus work um, in the coming years. But we need the money. So just doing that, if you sisters would just promote that and do it and get in, this is a thing we do, that's how we live, we'll have 600000 even 500000 half a million dollars will go a long ways. Um, and by the way, you can go and put in that money by your, with your device. What is it called? What is the name? Huh? No, no, you can use PayPal, you can use a credit card. I mean the, the link, the NorCal, what, what? How come you don't know, you see? Huh? Huh? Well, you can find out from the brothers. There is a, you can go there individually and put in, I will put in $240 a month. And it will, you won't see it. It will take it from your, from, from you. Uh, Is that so complicated? Huh? 
Well, anyway, you, you can find out. Uh, as long as I'm saying this, I'm going to promote uh, donating to BFA as well. Uh, you go to bfa.org, and you, you'll tell you in, in a few minutes you can, you can say uh, $50 a month or whatever you want to do. You will do it automatically. You know, it's good because you forget, but the computer never forgets. <laughs> so we could keep taking money from you in, in a very wonderful way. Saints, the day will come, the money means nothing. Give it now while it's useful. Um, you know, we have money to go to the cruise, to go to this vacation, which is kind of the thing to do. Saints, I mean, this is so much more meaningful uh, uh, to, to, to advance the Lord's interest, right? And to bring in his kingdom. Okay, how about just have a little prayer and we can go. Thank you very much for coming. Amen. Amen.